So do you know there's actually, there's actually a clinical condition called scopophobia? You heard of it? Scopophobia is basically a fear of being looked at, a fear of being put on the spot, a fear of being scrutinized. Anybody have that fear out there? God has not given you a spirit. Of, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but that is true. That is true. But you know what? We, I think if we're honest, when I started moving around the crowd, asking some of these strange questions, right? Was there anybody out there that maybe had just a little bit of, don't let him come to me, or I don't want him to ask me, right? We, some of us just have a little bit more of an apprehension, right, of being put on the spot. We don't know what they're going to say. What's he going to ask me? What's he going to, you know, um, am I going to be embarrassed? Some of us have no fear in that. They will say anything and anything, and we, don't, we could care less what people think, you know, but a lot of us do have maybe a little bit of a challenge in this area at times, right? And uh, whether or not you have a legitimate fear of being put on the spot or not, um, all of us will be subject to tough talks where we're going to be put on the spot. Why do you believe what you believe? Do you think that, it's, that your God would allow this, this, and that? Anybody ever been in those kind of situations? Or, or, or what, is, what does the Bible say about this? And then people are looking at you and they're waiting for your response. And you know already that no matter how you answer it, you might be in tough waters, right? Well, Jesus knew exactly what that feeling was like, and we're going to look at one of those situations today, amen, and, it, and it's from the book of John, and, and, and it's chapter 8, and this is the famous story of Jesus speaking with a woman who was caught in adultery. Who knows that story? Now, there's a whole lot of gospel in that story, um, and so I hope to touch on that um, but I also kind of want to look at it from the perspective of this was a tough talk. This was a tough situation where Jesus was on the spot. Amen. Say Jesus was on the spot. How many know that when Jesus is on the spot, he has the right answer? <laughs> How many wish that we had the right answer? Guess what? You do. Jesus. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. So we're going to take a look at that. What does that look like? Amen. Um, so, so how do you do when you're being put on the spot in front of your friends or your coworkers or your family members? Rashawn, God bless you. You know, I actually was thinking about you this morning, and you just walked in. Praise the Lord. I just put you on the spot. I, I didn't mean to do that, but <laughs> today we're talking about on the spot, and I'm glad you're in that spot, my friend. God bless you. Amen. Would you stand with me? Um, we're going to read this um, together. It's John chapter 8, verses 1 to 11. And um, quick little background here. Chapter 6, Jesus is telling the, the people, I am the bread of life. But then he gets a little weird with it. And he says, my flesh is real flesh. My blood is real blood. You must eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. And then you will have eternal life. And the people are like, wait a minute. This is weird stuff you're talking about, Jesus. And some of his disciples actually left. They said, this is a tough saying. Who can, who can take it? And some of his disciples actually left. And then some of the Pharisees were like, he's calling himself the bread of life. And they tied it back into Moses and manna from the, he says, I am that bread from heaven. And they're like, this is too much. We want to kill this guy, right? And so then the next chapter, chapter seven, they're ready to go to a festival. And Jesus is like, I'm not going to the festival, guys. You guys go and I'll stay. But then he didn't stay. He actually snuck in and went to that festival anyway, even though they knew they, he knew that they were trying to kill him, right? It was a tough spot for Jesus to be in. Um, and then he shows up, and the, and the Pharisees send officers to come after Jesus. But as Jesus is talking, the officers are like, we're not going to arrest this guy. And they go back to the Pharisees, and they're like, 
The stuff that he was saying was like, I'm paraphrasing here. The stuff that he was saying was blowing us away. We couldn't do it. And the Pharisees got madder about it, right? So here, here's where we are um, in uh, John chapter 8, verses 1 to 11. And it says, then they went each to his own house, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives early in the morning. Um, he came again to the temple. All the people came to him, and he sat down, and he taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman. Think about this, guys, right into the temple, right? Imagine that happened. We're in church, right? And, and just this commotion coming in. Just a picture of this, right? Picture this scene, right? The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, placing her in the midst. They said to him, teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us, stone such a woman. So what do you say? Put him on the spot, right? This they said to test him, that they might bring some charge against him. Jesus, what does Jesus do? Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. <laughs> I love, I, see, Jesus, sometimes the way he responds, you just don't know what he's going to do, right? Um, <laughs> and they continued to ask him. He stood up and said to them, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. Now, once more, he bent down and rode on the ground. Maybe he was playing tic-tac-toe. I don't know. <laughs> but when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. You can be seated, amen. Such a powerful story, guys. Such a powerful um, representation of the gospel here, um, amen. But I'm gonna look at it from a slightly different perspective um, today, as I mentioned. And, and we just wanna, I just kind of wanna point out five different ways here um, that, that Jesus handled being put on the spot five different ways that Jesus handled being put on the spot. And the first was that he was slow to engage. Slow to engage. If you look at verses four to six, right? He, he's, he's here teaching, right? Teaching and preaching. And they bring this woman in and they interrupt, right? What he's talking about. And they're like, this woman was caught in sin. The law says the stoner, what do you say, teacher? And he was really on the spot there. And, and what does Jesus do? He just gets down on the floor and just starts like drawing in the dirt. Like he can't be bothered, right, with what's going on. <laughs> like, 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 nothing, like nothing strange just took place, right? Like he wasn't, first of all, if that would have happened in some of our churches, right, the ushers would have came, right, and like grabbed the person, get out of here, what are you guys doing? You know, you're interrupting the service, right, that kind of a thing. <laughs> would have laid some hands on, <laughs> but, but here, these were teachers of the law, right? These were revered people. These were leaders in the religious community and in the regular community as well. And they, they, they basically just took over that service, and Jesus just bends down and starts talking. He didn't engage them right away. Think about, think about situations maybe that you've been in where you've been kind of caught off guard like Jesus was. What typically happens in our flesh? What do we want to do? <laughs> Someone comes at us, what are we going to do? 
We want to jump out, right? We want to jump out. We want to hit them back. We want to tell them back up. We want to tell them, get out of my face, get out of my space, whatever it is, right? Think about how the flesh wants to operate. It wants to engage. You want to engage me? I'm going to engage you. You want to come after me? I'm going to teach you a lesson, right? I'm going to show, I'm going to show you that you should not be coming after me, right? I'm going to put you in your place, right? This is what the flesh wants to do to engage, but Jesus didn't engage right away. We can learn a lesson, right? How many, how many think we can learn a lesson from that? How many times have we lashed out too quick and, and we didn't really take the time to really kind of hear the whole situation out? Or James chapter 1 verse 19 says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. How many know that that would save us out of a lot of problems? <laughs> Sometimes just listening to the whole story before we respond. Sometimes just not even responding right away, but taking a few minutes to process what was actually said, right? Think about it. And then also not letting that blood, you feel it, right? You feel when the blood starts to boil, right? You feel your, your face getting hot. <laughs> you feel your heart starting to beat. And you're ready to, you're in go mode, right? You're ready to go. You're ready to, your hands are balled up in a fist, right? You start to shake maybe. You, we, we all have different tells and different signs, right? Where we know that it's, it's not good. It's not going to a good place. But, but the, the, the verse here reminds us, be slow. Just slow it down. Slow it down. You feel that coming? Slow it down. Slow it down. Listen, listen. Don't speak right away. Don't engage right away. Amen? Somebody say amen. That'll, that'll, that'll change sometimes that alone is enough to change the situation why do we slow down so that we're not just listening to our emotions and responding out of the flesh but we can actually take time and not just listen to the person that's important listen to what they're saying and why they're saying it but then also take time to listen to the holy spirit what would the holy spirit have me say and do in this situation I'm pretty sure the Holy Spirit would not say, punch that brother. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the Holy Spirit would not say, tear him a new one. I'm pretty, amen, come on, right? What would the Holy Spirit do? What would the Holy Spirit do to remind us that, hey, hey, there are gifts of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patient, kindness, good, right? All of these things. I think that's what the Holy Spirit would say. Take a look at the tree. Grab a hold of what you need right now. Do you need some patience right now? Grab it from the tree. Do you need some love right now? Do you need some peace right now? Grab it from the, tell your neighbor it's available. That tree is available. Those fruit are always in season, right? How many of you got like a certain fruit that you like to buy, but you can only buy it certain times of the year? I mean, you could buy it other times, but maybe it's not as good, right? But you know that it's certain, June, come June and July, it's strawberry and blueberry season, right? And you just know that. Come, come September and October, it's apple season, right? And so you know that at certain seasons, there are certain fruit that are good, but the fruit of the Spirit is always good and always in season, always available. Tell your neighbor, always available. Amen. The second thing that I think we can learn here, we find it in verse 7, um, is that Jesus didn't avoid the tough talk. Right? In verse 7, the beginning part of it, it says, they continued to ask him, right? So the first time they came, Jesus just kind of like almost ignored it, right? Here's this big spectacle, this woman. We don't know if she was even clothed, guys. She might have been naked in the temple. I don't know. But they brought her in there and said she was caught in the very act of adultery. What are you going to do about it, Jesus? 
bends down and starts riding in the dirt. And then they keep on with it. They keep on. So he doesn't engage right away, but they keep on with it. So eventually, what does he do? Say, Jesus stood up. Somebody say, Jesus stood up. See, there, there, there comes a time when you can't avoid a tough talk, right? You can only avoid it for so long. We, we're not called to run and hide from tough talks, amen, right? We don't want to always engage in every little bait that people put out there, right? Especially on Facebook. Somebody might put some kind of a statement, and you might get baited into it and feel like, I got to fight this person, but don't take the bait, amen? You don't always have to take the bait, right? Be slow to engage, but guess what? If, you keep, if it keeps getting put in your face, we can't always avoid the tough talks, can we? Sometimes we have to answer. Sometimes we have to stand up. Somebody say amen. amen. Sometimes we have to stand up just like Jesus stood up, and then he started to address the situation. Amen? amen. And so, he, you know, he didn't avoid it. He wasn't trying to run away from it, but he just didn't feel the need to jump into it right, in, right away, right, right in that moment. But they pressed the matter, and now he was ready to engage. Amen? Amen? amen. Praise God. Number three, we find it in the second part of verse seven, um, is that change perspectives. When you're in a tough talk, sometimes it is very helpful and important to change perspectives. What does Jesus do in, in the second part of 7a? He says, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone, right? So, so what, is he, what is he doing he, he's basically saying, right now, you're focused on just the wrong that she did, and you're ready to kill her for it, but take a moment and examine yourself, right? He changed the perspective, right? All the eyes were on this woman. Everybody was looking at her. Everybody knew that she was guilty. Everybody knew that she was wrong. Everybody knew that she deserved to be punished, but Jesus changed the perspective. He turned it around and said, okay, but what about you? How about you? Which one of you is blameless? Which one of you hasn't done a wrong? Which one of you is not guilty before the law? Because there's a whole ton of laws. Somebody say amen, right? And they had a whole ton of them, right? So he's like, you're finding her at fault for this one, but I'm pretty sure that each one of you are at fault for some, some other one. So he changed the perspective, but yet he didn't name call them. He didn't he didn't, like, say, I know, because guess what? Jesus knows, right? He could have called him out and been like, you, Thomas, are guilty of bribery, and you, you just cheated on your wife, and you, you stole the other day, right? He could have done that, but he didn't. He just said, start looking at it from a different perspective, guys. Examine your own lives. And one by one, what did it say? One by one, they began to walk away. You ever think about what, did Je what was Jesus writing in that moment? A lot of people speculate. There's no way to really know. The Bible doesn't tell us. But, but some people like to imagine the possibility that maybe he was writing the names of the Pharisees and writing some of the things that they did to break the law. <laughs> I, we don't know that to be true. Um, some, say, some say that he was, he was writing the Ten Commandments out so that they could have a visual illustration of did you break one of those? Did any of you guys tell a lie? Did any of you guys break the Sabbath? But again, we don't know that. Some people say that he, I, this was an interesting one that somebody came up with. And again, we don't know any of these things to be true. But somebody said that that's, that was the institution of Jesus drawing the little Jesus fish that we see on the back of people's bumpers. <laughs> I, again, you know, these are just things to, things to think about. Another person said, 
Perhaps he was drawing and writing out the greatest commandment, which is love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. We don't know what Jesus wrote, amen? But we know what Jesus said. Which one of you is without sin? And if so, pick up a stone. Feel free. And one by one, they all walked away. Amen? Do you know that in those days, you could also be stoned for disobeying your parents? <laughs> Think about that for a minute. For, 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 for cursing your mom or your dad, you could be stoned. For killing somebody else, you could be killed. For adultery, which we know, you could be killed. For homosexuality, for kidnapping a person and then selling to somebody else. So, so many different things. So many different things. Witchcraft, punishable by death. And there was so many different things, right? And, and, and so maybe those things were rolling through the Pharisee's mind. And man, you know what? Yeah, I didn't. I did talk back to my mom earlier today. No, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> but, but you get the idea, right? The, 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 Ho the Holy Spirit is probably bringing to remembrance, right, the different ways that they had fallen, the different ways that they had messed up, right? And they were so eager to bring judgment upon this lady, not realizing that judgment was already upon them. They just hadn't received the penalty yet. And the truth of the gospel is, is that judgment rests upon all of us because all men have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Amen? And this is why the next point is so important. When you're in a tough talk, when you're put on the spot, remember mercy over judgment. Mercy over judgment. And if you look at verse 10 um, and the first part of 11, it says, Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Can you imagine how that must have felt to her in that moment? She was sure that that was going to be her last day on earth. She was sure of it. She saw the anger in the eyes of her, of her judge, the judging Pharisees. She saw the rocks in their hands. She saw them foaming at the mouth. And, and she thought for sure, for sure, this is it. This is my last day on earth. And then Jesus changed the perspectives of those who were wanting to kill her. And then I, I could imagine that she probably even had her eyes closed. She probably couldn't even bear to like lift up her head because of the shame and the fear and the pressure that was on her. She probably was in a stooped over position. She was probably crying out to God because it was her last moments of life. And then she opens her eyes and she sees no one around except her and Jesus. Can you imagine that moment? There's been times probably where we surrounded, right? Surrounded by tormentors, surrounded by people that want to do us in, surrounded by people that don't like us and that want to see bad things happen to us. Uh, but then sometimes we have to just close our eyes and then see Jesus. See Jesus. And see that the tormentors, they come and they go, but Jesus is here to stay. And there are always going to be people who like us and dislike us, judge us and, or love us. It doesn't really matter at the end of the day, how does Jesus feel about us? 
And Jesus said, I don't condemn you either. I don't condemn you either. Can you imagine the weight that would have been lifted off of her in that moment? Because there's still a chance that she's thinking all these people left because all of them had sin, but the only person left is the one who has never sinned, and he has the right, he has the right then to strike me down because with his own words, he said, who he who was without sin, pick up a stone, and there's only one in front of me. He is holy. He is righteous. He is pure. He is the Lamb of God. He has never sinned, so he has the ability and the right to strike me down, even though everyone else doesn't have that right, but he has that right. What will he say? And he says, I don't condemn you either. He says, mercy, mercy, mercy over judgment. And sometimes when we're put in difficult situations and when we have tough talks and we're put on the spot, we want to win so bad that there is no mercy in our words. Come on, somebody. That somebody comes at me, I'm going to come at them. No mercy. I'm going to win this fight. I'm going to, come on, you guys are looking at me like you're too holy for that. I'm going to win this fight. I'm going to, it doesn't matter. No holds bar. You come at me, I'm going to come at you. You come after my family, I'm going to come after you. And, and, and no mercy, no mercy. Because we felt judgment, we're going to unleash judgment. But Jesus is saying mercy over judgment. We don't have to win every argument. We don't have to win every fight. Sometimes what that person needs, even though they're coming at you in an angry way and they're coming at you ready to kill you or they're coming at you ready to harm you or degrade you in some way, sometimes they just need mercy and not your judgment. Oh, nobody said amen to that. I know that's not what feels good, right? I know that's not what we want to do. And that's countercultural. That's counter flesh. And that's the idea. We're trying to live as spiritual, as the spiritual beings and creations that we are in Jesus Christ and not the fleshly, the fleshly men and women that we were born into this world. But we're trying to rise above that. And in order to rise above that, sometimes we need to give mercy over judgment. Amen. Now, if you look at James chapter 2, verse 13, it says, For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Let me read that again. Judgment without mercy is shown to the one. Well, I, I, I read that wrong. For judgment without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So what is this basically telling us? That if we live in a way where we're quick to bring judgment, but we're not quick to give mercy, there's going to be a time when you're going to need mercy and you may not receive it. Right? How many of us want mercy when we get pulled over by the cops? Right? And, but, and we, we're, be, we're begging for that mercy, right? <laughs> we showed up late to work again and we're begging for mercy from the boss. Hey, don't, you know, don't, you know, sorry, it won't happen again. Begging for mercy, right? In one way or another, you know, um, we get that, that bill and we call up the company. Hey, could you please give me a break on this bill? We're begging for mercy, right? And, and we, we want mercy and we, we hope for mercy. But, but how are we at giving mercy to others when they are asking of it from us? Think about that for a minute. Think about the, the, the story of the man who was forgiven the great debt, but then he went after his friend who owed him a very small debt. And the king said, how dare you? You were just given great mercy, and you will not give a small mercy to this, to this man? 
can, and, and we have to think about this, right? As believers, we've been, for, we've been given great mercy by God and that Jesus sent his one and only son to die for our sins and give us eternal life through Christ Jesus. Forgiveness of our sins, right standing with God, right, broken relationship restored, not because of anything good we did, but because of the mercy and grace that came down from heaven, right? We were given this great mercy, but then yet, when our neighbor rubs us the wrong way or somebody cuts us off in traffic, we're not so quick to extend mercy, are we? Let's be honest, right? Think about it for a minute. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy is greater than judgment. Mercy is harder to give than It's easy to give a judgment call. It is hard to give mercy. But when somebody receives mercy, it's life-changing. It's life-changing. You could change somebody's life by extending mercy instead of judging them. Amen. Say amen. 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 All right, last, last point. Share the truth in love. Let me say that again. Share the truth in love. How many of us are good at sharing truth? How many of us are good at doing it in love? <laughs> that's the harder part, right? That's the harder part. It's not so hard to be like, you're wrong, and that's the truth. <laughs> but, but how do we phrase it in a way that it comes across as loving? That's a little bit, har that's a little bit harder, right? Now, now what, it, what happened here in, in, in verse 11, the second part of it? See, a lot of times we forget that last line. We talk about how Jesus said, I don't condemn you. You know, God bless you. Go on your way. But we forget the very last part. And he told her, from now on, sin no more. What was that? That was a dose of the truth, guys. That was how he ended this talk with her. I'm not going to condemn you but you can't keep doing this. What you're doing is not right, and you know it, right? The law proved it today. The law proved it, and you know it. There should have been judgment today, but there wasn't. But don't keep doing this, right? And, and he didn't beat her over the head with it. He didn't say, how many times? He didn't say, you know, now I'm going to teach you a lesson. He didn't say, tell me his name. And by the way, where was the guy? <laughs> but... But understand, right, understand that, you know, this is, this is, how, <laughs> this is how it goes, right? And so, you know, but, but Jesus, didn't, Jesus didn't do that. He didn't beat her over the head and beat her over the head and beat her over the head. He just made one simple statement of truth and said, don't keep doing this. Don't keep sinning. And, 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 and sin, specifically, he let her know that what you were doing was sin, it wasn't just a mistake. It wasn't just a lapse of judgment. It wasn't just oopsies. No, what you did was sin. And when we sin, we have to come to the Lord and repent of that sin and turn around and not do that again. <laughs> Amen? Does that mean that we're never going to do it again? Hopefully not. But guess what? We might. We might do it again. And guess what? There'll be more mercy for us if we come back to the right source, if we come back to the feet of Jesus, there will be more mercy. But what's he going to tell us again? The same thing. You're forgiven, but don't keep doing this, right? Now, now is that a game that we want to play? Let's see how much grace I can receive. Let's see how much mercy. The, right? Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 6. Shall I continue to sin so that grace may abound? Shall I continue to sin so that grace may increase? No. 
Mercy feels good. Grace feels good. But we don't play around with sin. That's the truth. Sin will mess you up. Sin will destroy you. Sin will eventually kill you. Amen? And, and, and so he's saying, don't do it. Don't do it. That's the truth. Who, who remembers Mary, Mary, Mary Poppins? A spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down. Now, does that mean spe speaking the truth in love means that we got to sugarcoat the truth? No. Did Jesus sugarcoat it here? He said, go and sin no more. Very straightforward, very plain, very truthful. He didn't beat around the bush, but he also didn't beat her over the head, right? He didn't keep reiterating and reiterating and reiterating. I remember one time, guys, I was sharing the gospel with this guy in the park, and um, I was going, I was going, I was going, and I, I was going for, like, too long. I stopped, and I, was, I realized it. I was like, <laughs> I was just hitting him too much, like, you know, and, and I stopped. I was like, you know what? I said a lot. I was like, what do you think about that? He's like, well, to be honest, you did kind of drill a hole in my head. <laughs> and, and, and we don't want to do that, right? That's not how we want to present the truth. Boom, boom, boom. No, 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 that doesn't work. Just speak the truth, speak it in love, be straight to the point, right? <laughs> and, and, and let them respond. Let them respond. Don't force them to respond. Don't beat them until they respond. No, because then they might just respond so that you get out of there. <laughs> they might just say, yes, yes, I believe it, I believe it. Man, I couldn't wait for that guy to get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Think about it. Share the truth in love. Jesus showed her that he loved her by changing the whole situation around. It was life or death, literally for her, a life or death situation. He saved her. Jesus literally saved her. He showed her that he loved her, but then he still spoke the truth and said, look, this is, this, is, this is what it is. This is what it is. You can't do this. All right? Amen? Our goal as believers is spiritual maturity. Amen? This is why we've been hitting all these different topics this year. Some of you have been wondering, why are we hitting such like strange and random topics? Because we're focusing on spiritual maturity. How do we grow up unless we look at some of these kind of situations, right? And, and, and communication is such a key one, right? Such a big one. How we communicate matters. Amen? We should be growing all the time. We should look more like Jesus all the time. Do you look more like Jesus this year than you did last year? Yeah. Do you look more like him this year, um, today, than you did last week? Yeah. Now, of course, we all have setbacks. We all make mistakes. But the goal is, hey, if I, I, I might fall a step behind, but then I should find a way to propel myself forward. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. And, and, and so, you know, this, we're going to have some tough talks, guys, and we're not always going to get them right. Sometimes we're going to get put on the spot. Tomorrow at work, somebody's going to put you on the spot in the lunchroom. <laughs> and they're going to say, you, read, you see this article? What do you think about that? And so hopefully you will remember, be slow to engage. <laughs> but don't avoid the tough talks. Don't be afraid to avoid it. I mean, don't avoid it. Don't be so afraid that you do avoid it. <laughs> Learn how to change perspectives. Learn how to come at things from different angles. They're, they're trying to show you their perspective, but show them that there are other perspectives, right? Show them that mercy triumphs over judgment. Show them that you're not trying to win at all costs. Show them that you're not trying to beat them up. And last, share the truth in love. Share the truth in love. Tell them what the Bible says. Do it in a loving way, though. 
Don't just say, the Bible says. No. <laughs> the Bible says a lot of things. But you know what? The Bible is birthed and really covered in love. It's a love letter. It reveals Jesus. It reveals God. Amen. It's not, it is a weapon, but it's a weapon against the enemy, not against our neighbors, not against our family members, not against a political party, not against some group that you don't like or some group that you think sins worse than this other group. This Bible is to transform me first. Let me be more transformed by this word, word than me trying to use this word to transform somebody else who hasn't even come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ yet. They will never, they will never succumb to a biblical argument because they have not been enlightened. Their spirit has not been regenerated. They cannot process spiritual things until they are born again. This is what we talked about last week, right? He told Nicodemus, you must be born again. You're not going to get it until you are. And that doesn't make us better. That just makes us blessed. Amen? That doesn't make us superior. That just makes us saved. Come on, somebody. Amen? Would you stand with me? Get ready for some tough talks, guys. They're coming your way. When we walk out this door, it might even come in the car as you're driving home. <laughs> Amen? Praise God. But you know what? We can learn from Jesus, the master communicator. Man, he does everything well, and we can learn so much from him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray, God, that you just continue to show us how to be more like Jesus. Holy Spirit, show us how to interact with this world. Show us how to handle difficult conversations. Show us how to share the truth, but in a loving way. Help us to not be um, always ready for a fight, but, but not to be afraid of a difficult conversation when it comes. Lord, show us, God, how to maneuver in a way where we can cause people to view things from different perspectives and, and examine their own hearts and examine their own motives. And God... Help us to be more like Jesus. Help us to talk like Jesus. Help us to love like Jesus. Help us to show mercy like Jesus. In Jesus' name, the church said, amen. 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 You can be seated.